Well, hello, hello everyone, and welcome to Wednesday Night Live here on this beautiful day in November. My name is Monica Terrell, and I am coming to you from Dallas, Texas, from the Father's Church. And as always, it is a great blessing to be able to be with you today. Um, I, you know, these are really some, some unique days that we're living in. And what an incredible privilege it is for us to be amongst the saints at the throne together committed fully to the work of intercession, to the prophetic ministry, to truly just pressing in to um, partner with the Lord and uncovering his mysteries here upon the earth in his timetable. Um, we just truly are very blessed and very privileged and I think one of my most um, most often things that I pray to the Lord in Thanksgiving is Lord thank you for teaching us how to pray and you know of course we have the Lord's Prayer and that's the way the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray but thank you also Lord for giving us the gift of of intercession giving us the gift of of um, praying in the spirit, diversities of tongues, showing us who we are at your throne, at your right hand, um, establishing us there and drawing us together to um, to pray on behalf of your divine purpose, both in the heavens and on the earth. And so I'm just so thankful to be in the company of all of you in the company of the saints and to be a part of that. And to know that it is truly the apex of our existence, just serving the Lord in um, the multitude of spiritual capacities that he has us in. And so um, I just wanted to really just begin with that, that measure of gratitude and to say thank you to all of you who partner alongside as righteousness on the left and the right, who serve in this ministry and in intercession and, and in the prophetic ministry, because as you all know, we are, we are in the year of the prophet. We have come through just an incredible year of wisdom and revelation, and we have transitioned into this year of prophecy, life, and supply, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do, I just I, I want to give a little, um, just a little uh, word of exhortation. Hopefully this whole hour will be a word of exhortation, but... Just a little word of, of, of exhortation, um, word of prophecy in saying that your position in this network, your position before the Lord at his throne in intercession, in gleaning his heart um, is so crucial. And even if you feel as you are one crying in the wilderness, let me just tell you your voice is heard in the heavens, your intercession, he hears your intercession. And, um, you know, we just had first Saturday prayer this past weekend. And, you know, all of you know that here in, in America, um, we really are in the midst of a spiritual battle um, <laughs> in the spirit, in the natural. It's, it's really some very tumultuous times. And so this past weekend when we prayed for first Saturday, I just was so thankful to know that um, no matter what's going on in the world, there are saints and intercessors, prophetic ones, that are going before the Lord on behalf of God's divine will. And let me just tell you, he is in control. His plan is sure. The plan of Yahweh is sure. 
and and he is revealing his mysteries to his people to be able to be that voice and so i i just think that in the timetable of the father we are in such a, a a really strategic kairos moment and so this last weekend during first saturday prayer i wanted to begin just by just really giving um somewhat of a prophetic synopsis of of some of the things that were gleaned from the heart of the Lord during that time of prayer because it so much leans into what we're going to talk about today with the spirit of prophecy because when we come together for first Saturday prayer we go before the Lord on behalf of a directive from the throne it's an apostolic directive and we pray together in the spirit different locations all over the world and um and then we hear the heartbeat of the Lord. We hear what's on his mind and we submit those insights and then we take those insights and we, we process them, we pray over them and we put them together into um, just a prophetic, really just a prophetic release for the saints. And so um, just this past weekend, I, I, was, I was going through the words that have come in and, and I'm just going to... Just to recap, I'm going to prophetically declare some of the things that have been said. First of all, God has taught us to pray. And, um, you know, we pray according to his will. And that, that is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then Jesus goes through the prayer and then he says, For yours is the glory and the honor and the power forever and ever. Amen. We have to remember that. We have to keep our eyes on the Father. We have to keep our eyes on the assignment of our Lord Jesus Christ and come alongside and partner in that. In faith, as a non-believers positioned at the right hand, established there and then releasing that, that word into the earth and then partnering with that in, in the way that we function. And so during this season, we need to remember, first of all, Isaiah 9-7 says that, of the increase of his government, of his kingdom, and of peace shall have no end. So he is in control. And, and while things are difficult, things are challenges, challenging for so many of us just being in this world but not of it, we have to remember that there's so much promise that lies ahead for us. And there's victory that lies ahead for us, yet gross darkness is covering the earth. And so we are going to deal with tribulation. We're going to deal with trials. But we have to remember that his light will shine. His light will shine through you, and nothing that is hidden will not be revealed. Luke chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 17 says, For nothing that is in secret will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to the light. We have to trust in his word. His word is truth, and we speak forth that truth. We stand on that truth, and we know that any measure of injustice in our lands will be addressed through the truth and through his word. And so while his word has been debated and really contested, even in the church over the course of these last number of seasons, we stand on his word and we declare that injustice and unrighteousness will be addressed and dealt with according to his truth and through his, his word. And so, you know, it's no coincidence that we have stepped into this year of prophecy, and we're going to talk a lot about that during this hour. But we must not allow the strain and the tension of the moment distract us from his agape, from his foundational purpose, from breathing hard after his foundational purpose and letting that passion 
just really drive us into the absolute resolve to see the fulfillment of his will completed here upon the earth. Elijah is a wonderful example of that. You know, he, he, he stepped into a very low place just after this great and mighty victory happened with the prophets of Baal. And he's in this low place, and in this low place, he allowed the enemy to cause his perception of the situation to bring disillusionment, to bring hopelessness, to bring anxiety, to bring all of these emotional things into his being and really cause him to be distracted from the purpose of the Lord. And so he t- he's in this cave, right? And what does he do? He takes his mantle, his prophetic mantle, and he wraps it around his head. And when he does that, it opens up the pathway for him to hear the still small voice of the Lord. And and that is so important for us in this day as we're living in this world where there is gross darkness, where we're able to, to wrap our heads with our mantles just like the prophet Elijah and to hear the still small voice of the Lord and to go forth on behalf of that um, and really continue in the the battle and in the really to see the victory of the Lord prevail here upon our earth but you know what it requires it requires surrender absolute surrender it requires our presenting ourselves fully empty and ready to be filled with his light with his life with his supply and from that place lies the provision for us for this miraculous walk, which it is a miraculous walk. And we're going to talk about that as we delve into the study of the spirit of prophecy, life, and supply. His provision is all we need. His supply is all we need as we stand on his agape purpose and know that he will provide everything that we need, even when things, especially when things look incredibly impossible to the natural eye, We've got to keep our eyes on him. We've got to keep our heads wrapped with a mantle and, and hear that still small voice and be the prophets of God that he's called us to be. And so I want to thank all of you who have submitted insights, who prayed and submitted insights. Um, I, I, I've prayed over these. I have read through them. And that's just like a small sampling of, of the things that have been spoken prophetically just through our prayer time this last Saturday. And so I just seal these words And I bless all of you for being faithful and obedient to the ministry of the Father for First Saturday. So today I just felt like it was important for us to to really speak about the spirit of prophecy, life, and supply as we've entered into this year. And in many ways, this might be a review for many of you, but, you know, throughout what I've learned over the last 22, 23 years is that God brings revelation. He brings rhema to us. And we learn of that revelation and we apply that revelation. And then along down the pathway, that revelation is revisited as a rhema in the new day. And so we have to acknowledge the fact that we have stepped into this year of the spirit of prophecy, life, and supply. And what I want us to do today is just remember scripturally what that means for us, what that, what that means scripturally, the spirit of prophecy, life, and supply, and then what our responsibility is in the midst of it because whether we're talking about the office of the prophet or just personal prophecy every believer can give or receive a prophetic word and the prophetic ministry 
really should always be guided by the spirit of prophecy, period. That is, you know, that's the foundation of prophecy. And where do we find that? We find that in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10. And I'm going to read this very familiar passage, and then we're just going to delve in and apply this to our lives where we are here today. And this is, this is um, John speaking. He's having this incredible experience in the spirit as you've read the book of Revelation. And it just, I, it's still just absolutely, I just marvel at the insight. But verse 10, chapter 19, he says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, he's standing, you know, he, he's, he's, he's addressing an angel, right? And the angel is addressing him. But two things I want us to see in this, because these are absolutely prolific understandings for us of what is required for us to be prophetic ones. First of all, it involves the martyria of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy is the martyria of Jesus. And what does that mean? We know that that means being a martyr to your flesh, being a martyr to self. Um, it means dying to yourself, surrendering every measure of your agenda, your goals, your mindset, your aspirations, your perspectives to God while, while accepting his divine plan. And so... This is so important for us because pure prophecy requires this of us. That is the spirit of prophecy. It is the testimony, the martyria of Jesus. And we must acknowledge this afresh going into this year that anything that has come alive in us, that is our mindset, our thinking, and it's so easy to do during this day where there's chaos and there's voices and all kinds of just tumultuous things that are happening around us in the world to form an opinion and speak forth out of that place of our flesh. And that can't be. We have got to be spirit beings functioning in the martyria of Jesus in the spirit of prophecy and release, release whatever words that we release need to be released through that wind of his spirit, the wind of his ways. And so that's the first part. The second part is the, the worship. Now, this is proskuneo, and we know that this is devoted intercession, selfless intercession, where we lay on our face before the Lord in accordance with his appointed mission, in accordance with his divine will. It's a place of humility. It's a place of, of baseness. It's a place really where we fully surrender to the divine plan of God. We lay on our face, so we're not looking around, and we fully surrender and submit ourselves to the plan of God to be worked in and through us, to breathe in and through us, and so whatever prophetic word comes through, it comes through that place of humility, that place of baseness, that place where we are face to face with the dust and we, be, uh, we become as dust caught up into the wind of the Lord. And, and from that place of moving fluidly in his wind, from there should come our prophecy. Okay, so the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. It involves proskuneo. It involves our posture before the Lord. Now, <laughs> you say, well, I can't posture all the time. Well, your heart can. It's like 
The Bible says we pray without ceasing. This proskuneo to me is a posture of your heart, and it should always be fully surrendered, fully submitted to um, the appointed mission that God has for us. And so, yes, we do that in the natural. We do that in different prayer times. We do that in different places throughout the world. We're called to do that in the place where God has planted us, in our own terio, to really um, partner with what God is doing. We do that on behalf of the nations to see um, from the heavens, you know, from the temple of the tabernacle of testimony to look down and to see. And so I'm just telling you that it is a posture of our hearts and it is so much aligned and necessary for us to truly move in the spirit of prophecy. Um, you know, we talk about dying to our flesh. Another very prevalent principle that goes alongside this is what John the Baptist spoke of in John chapter 3, verse 30. I'm sorry I didn't give you a teaching sheet, but you can reference these scriptures on your devices or in your Bible. John 3, chapter 30. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 30. It says, he must increase, but I must decrease. And we spoke about this in a prophetic word from first Saturday that said, we must empty ourselves so that he can fill us with his light and his life and his supply. That is decreasing. We must decrease so that he can increase in us and we can be as John that one crying in the wilderness that speaks forth, prepare the way of the Lord. The kingdom of, of God is at hand. Repent, turn, become a child of God, become um, a righteous one, a sanctified one. And so we are called as John to prepare the way of the Lord for his kingdom to rule and reign here upon the earth. And and so our dying, our dying to our flesh and our decreasing should not be something that we lament. It should be something that we celebrate as an opportunity of service before the beloved Lord and welcoming him into the realm and welcoming into into the world. Now, we've we've studied this this decrease and we know that it's the word that we get our word elastic, it's elato in the Greek. And it means literally to be flexible, to be adaptable, not to be like rigid and stiff-necked but to be adaptable and 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 flexible and pliable so whether God is moving in expansive ways that are just you're on top of the mountain and you just see all these glorious miraculous things happen or whether we're in a period of austerity or barrenness or in the wilderness we have to be able whether we're in the midst of trials and tribulations or sitting in the glory of the Lord to be able to be adaptable to that and to be able to flow in the spirit in the midst of that place where he has us, knowing that in that place, in that wilderness place, if that's where he has you, he is calling you to decrease so that he might increase through you and be fruitful and call forth the springs to flow through. This is partnership with the spirit of prophecy, and this is truly the way of the true prophet. You know, John the Baptist was said of Jesus that he was the greatest prophet that was ever born of woman. So I want to be like him, right? And I want to decrease. I want to die to myself. I want to fully live to serve the Lord. And I want my heart to be so flexible that I can go with the ebb and flow of wherever the Spirit is taking me, whether it's in a valley of dry bones or on top of the mountain with my hands lifted up as the battle is being won. 
I want my heart to be flexible, to be able to move with the spirit. Because I'm telling you this, those places where you're inflexible are the very places where the enemy looks and will hit you, will, will, will resist you. He will resist any places that are not surrendered fully to God. And he will persistently attack those places until we give up. That's his intent. So we have to be, we have to decrease. We have to be flexible. We have to be adaptable in the spirit and not allow our emotions um, to be vulnerable to the enemy who knows those places and will hit them and cause us to even be more stiff-necked and to resist the ways of God and to resist the winds of God. And so the Apostle Paul even taught that we have to die daily. We have to submit every part of our life to God on a daily basis. This is in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 30, verse 34. And that is our walk as prophets. That is our walk as prophetic ones, those that want to move in the spirit of prophecy. It is so necessary. It's called being a servant. It's called, as Jesus, the servant of all, because we know that he, our greatest example, was fully fixed on the business of the Father, on what the Father was doing in heaven. That's all he did. He was totally flexible and adaptable. No matter what scenario the Father led him into, he moved in the Spirit, and he fulfilled whatever it is that God had for him in that moment. And so we want to make sure that that um, that we we follow him in that pathway and in that lifestyle. It's just so important. So when we look at the seven spirits, and we know the spirit of prophecy, life, and supply, it is at the very center of the ways of God. And that's so something that we need to see because that dying to our flesh is necessary on both ends of the spectrum going either way is so important for us we don't have time to go through that study but it's just so important for us that we die for to ourselves in order to live with god and to really um, flow fluidly in the application of the ministry and the pursuit of of his presence and in welcoming that presence into the earth and seeing his kingdom come and his will be done so we're called to proskuneo, to be his dust, to flow with his ways, to flow with his breath, his breath to breathe through us, to move fluidly with that. And um, really that should pretty much depict who we are in the spirit before the Lord. But it does require that death to our flesh. And so, you know, it's not, <laughs> this is a good thing. You know, I, I, I pray that this brings joy to your heart, that this brings peace to your heart, that this brings fulfillment um, just in the revelation to your heart to know that when we surrender it all to him it's his battle we just have the great blessing to partner alongside with him in it and so I love that I love his spirit I just want more of it in me I want to overflow so just breathe him in um, so let's talk just for a minute about prophecy because you know, we've traveled all over the world, and, and people really love prophecy. They love to be prophesied to. And it's, it's good. I mean, I, I love to receive a prophetic word. It's not very often that I do, but it just, when I do, I know that it's from God. Um, of course, we're called to judge prophecy, but um, I trust him, and I trust those that speak into my life. And, and so I, I really want to just touch on what prophecy is supposed to do. 
in in its purest sense and and we find this really most um most um express we we find this expressed mostly in a passage found in first corinthians beginning in chapter 13 and then segueing into chapter 14 beginning with verse 13 of chapter 13 and it says now abideth faith hope charity of these three but the greatest of these is charity and i'm beginning there because it's so important that we see this that in our walk with the lord in our relationship with the lord in our existence in the spirit realm agape is the foundation of all things agape is what we have to seek after more than anything above all these things is agape is love is charity and we know that that charity that agape is literally it's the purest dimension of the passion that is fueled from the heart of God as it burns in us to press forward in the establishment of seeing his purpose fulfilled you see why why agape is so important for us we must every single day ask him to help us walk in his love to walk in his agape and there's so many different manifestations of that that we could talk about a thousand different messages but for right now we're talking about prophecy and we're talking about the foundation of that is his agape it's breathing hard after his purpose and from that breathing hard after his purpose to see it established and see it fulfilled comes forth the other spiritual gifts that we move in one of which is prophecy Verse 14, I'm sorry, chapter 14, verse 1 of 1 Corinthians. Follow after agape, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you prophesy. So he's putting prophecy above all the spiritual gifts as we follow after agape. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification so prophecy is speaking unto men to edify and exhortation to exhort and to comfort he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself but he that prophesies edifies the church that ye all spoke with tongues but rather that ye prophesied for greater is he that prophesies than he that speaks in tongues except you interpret that the church may receive the edification so we see here for the church prophecy is really about edification edifying exhortation exhorting and comforting and and this is just really important for us to see because this is the really the building block of the church and and the girding up of the church which is so important to the lord and so let's look at these three quickly and just go through thumbnail understandings of what they are as prophets and as prophetic ones before the lord coming into this year called to prophesy we're called to edify that doesn't necessarily mean that you're called to flatter someone or tell them what they want to hear it does not mean that it has very little to do with with who we are in the natural it has everything to do with what god is doing in the spirit realm and his purpose within you and what he wants to do through you in functioning through you and edification it's the greek term okidomo and it means to build a house or a structure. And so when we edify through prophecy, we are, we are building, we are a part of the building program, praying in unknown tongues, um, speaking that 
ongoing dimension and revelation of the mysteries of God, building the framework which unveils the blueprint of what God is building. God is building a kingdom. God is building his church. And so when we prophesy, we are speaking into that divine plan, his blueprint of what he's building. That's so important. And that's, that's so different than tell me if I'm supposed to get married or not, even though I know people want to know that. But God can speak that to you. So edify to build. Then secondly, it says prophecy exhorts. And this is a Greek term, parakalesis, and it comes from parakaleo. And it literally means to call alongside to help. Involve, and it involves the building up the mysteries of God. And we find references in scripture, particularly in the book of John, about how parakaleo and parakalesis are identified with the work of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Ghost, the Comforter. And so when we exhort, when we parakaleo to the church, what we're saying to God's people is come alongside the Holy Ghost and get involved and partner with what he is doing today. Come alongside, function with us. Come alongside, function with the Holy Ghost and, and, and get in line Get involved with what God is doing today. We are not playing church, guys. We are, we are called to be and to function. And it's business. It is our Father's business. And so this exhortation, this parakalesis, calling others alongside to be a part of the work, to be a part of the work of the ministry, to be a part of what God is building through the edification, all through um, just praying in the Spirit, praying the mysteries to be unveiled, praying his blueprint to be understood, unveiled, and partnering with what God's doing in the building process here upon the earth in his kingdom. I love that. And then thirdly and lastly, prophecy comforts. This is not just a big, you know, cozy blanket, <laughs> even though the Lord does comfort us that way. This is paramethia, and, and what it means literally is to encourage people to keep on believing in the work of God and to not give up. This is really addressing those scenarios where we're weary, where things look impossible, where to the natural eye it seems anything but um, fruitful. It is speaking in and encouraging others to continue in in the work of the Lord no matter what it looks like in the miraculous in the miraculous work of the Lord. You know, We've talked about this in past teachings, but paramethia has the word myth in it. And we understand in the English that the word myth literally is like a story. It's like a fable that's filled with the miraculous and sometimes unbelievable accounts of like heroic deeds. I love this. I love that the Spirit chose this word because that's really what we're prophesying into is, look, I know it looks impossible. I know it doesn't look like what our natural mind thinks it should look like because our natural mind is in enmity with the things of the Spirit. But we are partnering and we are comforting those, calling them and encouraging them to not give up, but to stay the course, to stand when, when you've done all to stand, to stand therefore and believe from the right hand, from the place where you're established and stay the course and see just from that place of the right hand the prophetic perception of what is in the heart and will of God with Jesus who's seated up there with us at the right hand 
and and really just partner in this place of the miraculous. See, prophecy holds on to what is heard and seen from the right hand, and it builds it, it builds upon it with direction and with strength and with provision of the Spirit of the Lord. That's what we're partnering in. And so we prophetically need to adapt to whatever God is requiring in order to accomplish his task. That's that spirit of prophecy. That's decreasing. We have to be adaptable no matter how things appear, no, how, no matter how impossible things appear because um, it's important that we're, we speak forth proactively into the work of the Lord and to what he's doing, even in that place of the wilderness, especially in that place of the wilderness, to call forth those springs to come forth. So prophecy encourages those that are aligned with us in order for them to remember what God has said from his right hand, no matter how outrageous it might seem, no matter how impossible it might seem, but to stand and to, to, to truly encourage and to speak into um, what God is doing in and through us here upon the earth. And, you know, we know this, that whenever God is doing a thing, whenever he's speaking forth a thing, whenever he ordains a thing, oftentimes it looks impossible. Oftentimes it looks ridiculous. Oftentimes, um, you know, our minds have to struggle to get in line with it because, once again, the mind is at enmity with the spirit. But we know that God, when he speaks, you know, he does nothing without sharing with his prophets first. And so when he speaks something to his prophets of something that he's going to do, we have to willingly die to our own mindset and we have to get in line with it in order to partner with him in bringing life, speaking life into it, being that vessel of life that breathes into it, that doesn't dispute it, but speaks life into it. And that's really the objective of the spirit of prophecy within us and through us but it's always going to it's always going to be this way and it's always going to be his way and so we have to truly get our mindset and our perspective set on the spirit and and on what we see our father doing in heaven we have to align with that we have to adapt to that we have to really decrease so that he can increase his spirit in and through us, his supply, so that we can partner with it and see it come to life. I love this. God is just so good, and he's given us such an amazing privilege to be able to stand with him in the gift of prophecy. So when we look at the spirit of prophecy, we see it as the spirit of prophecy, life, supply, and healing. Let's talk just for a few minutes about the spirit of life, because, you know, we've talked about dying to our flesh, but what we have to recognize is that, first of all, this is a spiritual principle for us, both in the natural and in our spiritual walk. When we die in the natural, we step into eternal life with the Lord. Hallelujah. That's, that's, that's a beautiful promise that we have. When we die to our flesh in the spirit, we will always, it will always yield life. That is the nature of God. That is how he moves. And so this continuing directive of the word of God 
in that we die is that so we can find life. You know, the Bible says in the book of John, this was the words of Jesus. These are in red, that verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. It brings forth life. That is the spiritual walk that we walk. That is the prophetic walk that we walk. We have to be as that dead seed that is willing to die so that we can be fruitful, so that we can bring forth life. And so we yield ourselves to this prophetic measure of the will of God, knowing that it's always going to involve the principle of decrease, the principle of dying to ourself, knowing that as we didn't decrease, he will increase. As we sow seeds of his foundational purpose into the terrain for which he sends us, we will be sowing something de dead knowing that his breath will bring forth life as a result of that. That is just the spiritual principle of prophecy. And it's also the daily factor in our prophetic ministry, in the prophetic walk that we walk. Um, you know, I said earlier that the prophetic walk is a miraculous walk. This whole principle is a, is a miraculous walk. And, um, <laughs> you know, God has a habit of leading his people into places, into scenarios, which often seem impossible, which seem like crazy scenarios, which to the eyes of man look like we've missed God, look foolish. Um, he has a tendency to do that. That's where our faith kicks in. You know, one of the words that came first Saturday is all I kept hearing was great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. His faithfulness is great because through this prophetic walk, through this miraculous walk where we invest ourselves to become dead, trusting in faith that he will bring it forth to life. You think about the requirement that he put upon Abraham to take Isaac and sacrifice him, put him to death. And in the midst of that impossible situation that Abraham was fully obedient in, what did God do when his heart partnered in the obedience of, of taking the life? He brought forth life. God will do that over and over. Noah, build a boat. <laughs> but Lord, it's never rained. Noah, build a boat. Okay, God, I'll build a boat. Obedience, faith, and it rained. And, and you know the story. And so, I, you know, I'm looking at, at, at where we stand today in our own nation here in America. And it looks anything but promising. I mean, it is, if you look in the natural realm, it looks like an impossible battle where we stand. And we stand on behalf of righteousness ruling in our land. So that's, that's the platform from which I'm coming from. Prophetically, I'm saying that's, what, that's God's will. I know that. I know that without a shadow of a doubt, prophetically, that is God's will, that righteousness would rule in our land. But <clears throat> looking in the natural, in the battle that's going on in the natural, and in the spirit, because we're tapped in there, we're praying like crazy, it seems anything but possible that that is going to happen in the days ahead. But his will will prevail. Think about Moses. Moses, he was a prophet. He was a friend of God. God called him to lead by the Spirit, which he did, the children of Israel, out of their bondage from Egypt 
He was led of the Spirit. He followed the Spirit. He walked in obedience, and he led them right to a dead end. By the leading of the Spirit, this dead end called the Red Sea. And then he was told to wait there with all these people until the enemy could catch up. Did that look impossible? I mean, do you wonder what God was thinking? Miraculous, prophetic. Every part of this was miraculous and prophetic. And so miracles are this way. Everybody wants one. But you don't want to be at that place of the Red Sea where the enemy is breathing down your back and it looks like you have no options. But your options are in partnership with the perfect will of God and with his spirit of prophecy. And so, you know, we don't always want to be in that place. In fact, we never want to be in that place, but we want the miracles. So I'm speaking into this year of the prophet this coming year. We are going to see the miraculous in ways that we never have because we are stepping into that spirit, that breath of prophecy where we are dying to our flesh and partnering in his spirit of life, which is really what we're talking about here. So spirit, let, let's talk a little bit about um, the spirit of life, okay? Um, you know, when we talk about different examples, Moses, Noah, um, several other examples that we Abraham that we referenced. When we talk about the prophetic, you know, the spirit of, of prophecy, I think Jesus was probably the most prolific one. You know, he walked this earth, his disciples walked this earth, they preached the message, they spoke of the promise, and and then they put him on a cross and he was crucified. And to the spectators, the message of the Lord at that moment looked like a disaster. It looked like it had been aborted. It looked like it was not what they said that it was. It looked like it was pretty much shot in the water because Jesus had died. But three days later, what happened? He rose from the dead. And the promise has never been truer, was never truer, and it remains true. He walks in resurrected life, the spirit of life, and that is the apex of the spirit of prophecy. And so we celebrate that resurrection power. We celebrate that spirit of life that comes through that triumph of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it came through a scenario of dying of death on the cross. But the Lord's will was fulfilled. His will was perfect. It came to pass exactly and so we celebrate that. We're so thankful for that. Um, the thing about it is, is that we have to recognize in moving in the spirit of life, and we're going to talk about some scriptures in a minute, is that we have to be willing to face the battles. We have to be willing to be dead so much so that we don't fear the battles, that the battles don't create anxiety for us, knowing that throughout scripture, particularly in Daniel, you know, Daniel talked about the ongoing battles that we're going to we're going to address, we're going to see, we're going to be a part of between the saints and the prophets who go to war against the antichrist spirit. This is spoken of through Daniel and that great victories are going to be won for the kingdom of light, but nonetheless God permitted his vessels, his saints, his messengers of righteousness to be overcome by the enemies of the Lord. And so in walking the prophetic walk, we have to be really so dead to our own agenda and what we think needs to happen in our own flesh, our own emotions, so that we don't bow out, but we go forward 
saying, yes, Lord, use me. Let me be your vessel, your prophetic vessel that brings forth life from that place of of challenge, from that place of impossibility, from that place that looks like anything but a miracle, even if it means facing tribulation, even if it means facing death, knowing that you will bring forth life. Because whenever we are walking with God and he requires that process of death, he will always bring forth life. That is his nature. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, 7, that it says, and this was God speaking to his, his children, Yahweh shall cause thine enemies that rise up against you to be smitten before your face. So your enemies are going to be smitten before your face. And then it says, they shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. And I love this because it doesn't say not if the enemy comes in. It says when the enemy comes in. So we have to know that we will face that. We will face the battle. We will face the challenges. We will face um, the enemy. And yet his life will bring forth deliverance. His life will bring forth um, the measure of victory that we need. One of the most wonderful examples of the spirit of life is found in the book of Revelation. And um, I'm just going to paraphrase a little bit, but remember the story of the two witnesses that ministered powerfully upon the, they will minister powerfully upon the earth on behalf of the will of God. And as they do this, as they minister, they face continual battle from the enemy and from the world. That's what the book of Revelation talks about in, in chapter 11. And, and it says that God delivers them time and time again in phenomenal matters. It says that um, they move in, you know, incredible powers with, um, with, uh, with fire and different elements that God provides for them. And it's just like this incredible scene that you read in Revelation chapter 11 with these two witnesses battling against the enemy here upon the earth. This is going to happen. And then what happens with no explanation, God permits them to be killed. So they're, they're witnessing, they're doing exploits, they're fighting the enemy, they're prevailing against the enemy, and then all of a sudden the Lord allows them to be killed. And the world and the enemy rejoices at their death and they it says that they lay in the street for three days and a half there before the whole world and you can imagine with media the way that it is cnn you can imagine how this is going to be broadcast throughout the world the enemy has had a victory of course i mean we see this in different ways throughout our media all the time um but then what happens? Let's read Revelation chapter 11, verse 11. And it says, After three days and a half, the spirit of life from God, so God's spirit of life, enters into them, and they stand upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. So we know that the spirit of prophecy is always, a spi the spirit of life is always associated with the spirit of prophecy. God would never ask us to die if life was not the end result. That is the nature of who he is. He loves us so much. And so we have these witnesses. Witness we know translates as martyria. Those that were willing to die for the cause of the Lord. 
They're doing great exploits upon the earth. The Lord allows them to die before the whole world. The media sees it. It's translated all over the world. And then the spirit of life comes into them and they rise up and fear falls upon the whole earth that see them. That is a phenomenal story. The spirit of life came, resurrected them after they had died, and it was a witness. Everyone that saw them, fear came upon them. This is such a powerful testimony, something that is is, um, very clearly to happen in the days ahead. Um, You know, these two witnesses, they were familiar with the fire of the Lord. It consumed the enemies in this battle. They, they moved in fearless obedience, and through that obedience, they were, they were rewarded with demonstration after demonstration of victory, but they also knew how to die. Their very name, witness, means that they were martyrs for a cause. And so it's not like um, they were out there witnessing, passing out tracts, or really even probably preaching the Roman road, they were being true witnesses. They were ones that were standing in obedience on behalf of the cause and the will of the Lord. They were willing to die. And through that death, God resurrected them before everyone and breathed his life into them. And it was a witness. That is such an incredible example of the spirit of life. We must truly trust and believe in his life that is breathed through us. Um, There's another passage in Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2 that says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. I love this because First of all, it says there's no, no there's no condemnation. There's no negative judgment to us, to those of us who are in Christ Jesus, Jesus, who are walking not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So as we're walking in the spirit, there's no negative judgment that, sh- that can come against us. There's no condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes us free. It liberates us. It exempts us from the law of sin or missing the mark and from death. Now it it you know it's interesting because this word for um, condemnation is the, is the Greek word katakrino, and it means a negative judgment. And so what I read here is that you know when we know that the spirit of life is always associated with the spirit of prophecy. And so when we stand for the Lord on behalf of a prophetic act or uh, on behalf of something that he has said prophetically, it often appears as if we have judged wrongly what God has told us to do because we have to go through that process of dying and things looking impossible. And from the outward perspective, we feel like we're being judged or in condemnation because of the prophetic walk that we've taken upon because it looks like we have missed the mark. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we deal with this as a church. We deal with this as a ministry. It oftentimes, based on, you know, the standard of what a church should look like, 
that we look anything but successful or victorious. But it's about the remnant, and we know that. It's about obedience. It's about walking this walk in the Spirit and walking this prophetic walk with the Lord, speaking into, not only embracing, but speaking into what seems like a dead seed and really what is a dead seed and calling it forth and bringing it forth into life. That is who we are as a ministry. And there is no negative judgment that can come against us for that. We, will, we cannot receive that negative judgment that we've missed the mark. We have to stand in faith from what we have seen at the right hand and what we have heard at the right hand, knowing that we are on track. We are exactly who we are and what we're doing, what we're supposed to be doing. And we cannot let the enemy bring any negative condemnation because we have the law of the spirit of life that trumps the law of sin. It trumps, it overrides, it overrules the law of missing the mark. So we, we've got to have the spirit of life in the, in, the, in, the, in the identity of who we are and in the calling for which he's given to us to remind us that we are free from that law of missing the mark. We are free from the condemnation, from the negative judgments that the world might bring against us, what the church might bring against us. Because we are walking this prophetic walk. We are a prophetic people. We are committed to the process of dying in order to have life, in order to bear life. Because we are in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we are moving in the spirit of prophecy. And in the spirit of prophecy comes the spirit of life. I love that. I really do. I love that. So, you know, so often... You know, it might appear like we have misjudged things or we've missed God whenever we prophetically take a stand in obedience. And the law of missing the mark will try to confront us with death and with giving up. Tell me if this not has not happened to you. But when the spirit of the life, the spirit of the life will come in and take precedent over both of those things, over the spirit of um, of missing the mark and the spirit of death. And, and I, I'm not talking about dying to our flesh. I'm talking about the death of his purpose. Um, the spirit of life will always prevail. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for his breath and his provision. And, and Lord, let us be witnesses. Let us be witnesses that do exploits and allow us to be seen before the whole world. The dying of our flesh. And then the incredible resurrection through the spirit of life that is breathed into us, that is breathed into this ministry where all the world can see and fear the Lord. That is my prayer. That is my prayer. And so, you know, when Jesus was crucified, it looked as if he had missed the mark and it appeared as if death had triumphed, right? But he emerged in the spirit of life with the keys of death and the grave because prophecy comes to grips with death and it will always correspond with the word of life and the word of light which pierces the darkness. We need to remember this in our warfare with the enemy and we need to remember this in this process, this prophetic process. It's like promise, sila, and fulfillment. It's like that sila point. We have to remember and we have to welcome that spirit of life in and, and just know that that's a part 
of this um, spirit of prophecy that we walk in. And lastly, and I'm going to do this quickly, is I'm going to talk about the spirit of supply. I want to talk about supply. Yesterday on Saints Radio, Pastor Robert Fulton joined us, and, and I was really blessed by his prophetic words that he spoke. He spoke prosperity. He spoke provision. He spoke the very things, um, really, that we're talking about. He spoke that we were stepping into a season of the sprout, where we were going to be like sprouts that are breaking forth through the ground from that dead seed, and we were going to be fruitful, and we were going to be plentiful in, in this coming year. And, and so I just want to release just the spirit of God's provision and his supply and his, his life through the spirit of prophecy into every point of this ministry throughout the world, every point um, of intercession that goes forth, every intercessor, every saint. But I do want to talk about supply really quickly because um, this is really pretty prolific. Um, supply, the supply of Jesus Christ, the spirit of Jesus Christ in supply is found in Philippians chapter 1 verse 19 and it says for I know that that this shall turn my salvation through your prayer and supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ and so what he's saying here is that your salvation our salvation our deliverance and we know that that's not just being saved so that we have eternal life this is our ongoing salvation that the Lord brings us through that sotos you know that he brings us through um, or it's soteria, it's our health, it's restoration, it's physical sa safety, it's the ongoing deliverance and salvation that we live just in walking this earth that we get through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that comes through um, through the deasis, through the prayer, through the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and with our Father because we understand the principle of deasis is supplication. And supplication, it's, it's like a request that we made as we tap the very heart of God and his purpose for us. And it comes from a word, DMI, that indicates that we are making supplication on behalf of a specific need or a lack. And we're asking for supply from the heart of God on behalf of his purpose and his will and his commission for us. And so... It says, for I know that this shall turn my salvation, my deliverance, through your deasis, through your tapping into the heart of God and drawing forth on behalf of the need or the lack that we have through supplication and intercession, through intimate commune with God, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so... The deliverance of our life will be ensured by the continued commune that we have with God and through that supplication. And in the face of, of destruction, in the, in the face of affliction, in the face of apparent death, which we may encounter when we stand prophetically before the Lord, the supply of the Lord Jesus Christ will be known to us. That is the spirit of supply. That is the, it comes through the Lord, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the spirit of prophecy we know is the martyria of Jesus. It's yielding prophetically to that dying process. And the spirit of Jesus Christ will supply. He brings forth, as we yield ourselves to that prophetic process, he brings forth, he breathes life 
and supplies and provides every measure of what we need to to gain fulfillment for his mission that he's given to us. And so that was a lot of words to say that it's through our relationship that we obtain salvation, that we obtain life and health and restoration and healing and safety and all those things that come through Yeshua, that come through the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it comes through the deasis, that intimate supplication that we make before the Lord, calling upon him to bring supply to a need or to a lack and supply of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting that this word supply, we got to touch on this before we close because it's just, it's just um, such a creative way that the Lord manifests himself. This word for supply is the word epikoreogoe. And, and it, it, we, we might think of the word choreography. Maybe we get that word choreography from it. But it literally means to dance. And so the supply of the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ comes through our rejoicing and our dancing in the realm before the Lord. And we understand that the, the principle of dancing from the Hebrew is like that circular pattern of dancing, which, which really symbolically represents us moving in the ways of the Lord. Dance is such a significant part of the spirit, spirit realm. Remember Miriam and the children of Israel, they danced as they came through the miraculous move of the Lord from the Red Sea. And they did so moving with the ways of the Lord on behalf of not only the deliverance, but on behalf of the promise that, that, that lay, was laid before them as they stepped into the promised land. David danced when he was ushering in the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, danced in a circle, partnering with the ways of God, symbolizing really um, the completion of what God had, had begun and also the restoration of bringing his presence back into this resting place where he was to dwell. So when we dance, we bring supply. We partner with the Lord in bringing supply and bringing his breath, really because it's partnering with his ways, which is his spirit, which is his breath, and it's prophetically moving in a circle depicting the heart of God, which is restoration. And so I just find this so interesting that, that in, in Philippians it says, For I know that this shall turn my salvation through deasis, through prayer and supply, or that circular dance, the chul of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so our supply comes through our obedient moving with his Spirit, chuling with his Spirit, spinning and whirling and rejoicing in, in moving with his ways in a circular way, depicting restoration, depicting his ways and depicting his will being fulfilled here upon the earth. It's important for us. It's important for us that we see this. The, you know, such a great example of this is found in Ezekiel chapter 37. And it's the story of the dry bones. Remember, the spirit picked up Ezekiel and he sat him down in the midst of this valley of dry bones. And he commanded him to speak into the dry bones and breath came into them and they lived, they were resurrected and they stood upon their feet and they became an exceeding great army. 
So what the Spirit of the Lord did through the prophet Ezekiel is he breathed his breath, had him speak the spirit of life into those bones, and they manifested into this exceeding great army. Now, this word for army is a derivative of chul, and it literally means a dancing army. It's an army that dances. It's an army that rejoices in that chul, in that circular motion. And as they did that, they welcomed the supply, the provision, the military strength, the wealth, and the good, and everything that was needed for them to go forth as a great, great army. This is so prophetic for us. There's so many things, there's so many dry bones out there that we need to be able to speak prophetically as Ezekiel did, breathe into them the spirit of life and have them rise up and become the great army that God has called us to be. We speak that into the children of God and we say, rise up dead bones, have the spirit of life within you, rise up and chew, rise up and move in a circular motion be that exceeding great army that dances before the Lord and brings restoration to this earth for which is his intended divine will for creation. And so that is supply and it is associated with the dance. And I just think that is just so amazing. God is going to, he's going to redeem, he's going to restore dance back into our churches. I know that. And so I speak that forth prophetically as well. And so I have talked about a whole lot of stuff today. And I just hope that this has been not only a refresher for you, but a rhema for you, a blessing for you. I speak every measure of God's spirit of prophecy and his life and his supply to flow through you. I speak into you his healing, which comes through this spirit, that every part of your body, every part of your life would be touched by his healing powers just by virtue of his breath and by virtue of our coming before him, dying to our flesh, becoming empty, allowing his spirit to breathe through us and breathe life into the dry bones. And I speak that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I bless you today. I'm out of time. I just, I, I bless this year and I just say, Lord, use us and miraculous ways we are willing we are ready prepare us to step into this year of prophecy life and supply and healing in ways that no man has ever known and we surrender to that we rejoice in that and we look so forward to partnering with you in the days ahead so god bless you saints we'll see you soon bye-bye